you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Coming up on Total Access, the locker room. My best friend's girlfriend was working at Giants training camp, and she introduces me to Bill. He asked me, like, what are you doing? I showed him my, you know, I'm keeping notes, like keeping notes. So I spent the night on the couch for two nights, and they let me sit in meetings. He was a defense coordinator of the New York Giants, and I was some schmo playing at a 1AA school, Central Connecticut, and he invited me to learn. Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson, joined by former head coach Brian Billick. We're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. Today, it's all about building a team and former GM and NFL executive of the year. Scott Pioli is joining us. And one of my favorite stories he told is how he first met Bill Belichick. Amazing. Great podcast today with Scott Pioli. He's got some great insight on some stories and a favorite of both of ours, Orlando Zeus Brown. Let's bring in my main man, Scott Pioli. Scott, welcome to the podcast, big dog. Welcome. It's about time. I couldn't wait to get here. Finally, you wait to the last week of the season? Or? Hey, it's not, not my fault. It's good to be here. Not my fault. I'm not part of the booking team. But before we get into, you know, building a complete team, we, we have to start off with a locker room story, brother. So what's your first locker room story? Well, my first locker room story, of course, is going to go. My locker room was the draft room, right? That was, yeah. you know, after playing in college, that's the closest, the closest I got. So I'm going to take us back to the 2001 draft. Wow. And we were uh, we were picking number 50 overall. I was with the New England Patriots. So it was our second year there, 2001. And we had our eyes on Matt Light. And we uh, as Coach Bill knows, you know, when you're when you're in the draft room, you're making calls, you're checking on players. And we had this thing where we would call and check on players, but make sure, hey, listen, don't tell him when you're talking to us. <laughs> so I pick up the phone and I call Matt Light. You know, we're in the 30 or maybe in the 40s somewhere. And 
Mike picks up and goes, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, ah, oh, doing great, doing great. I said, have you heard from anybody? He goes, yeah, well, I'm actually on the other line with the New York Jets right now. <laughs> and I look at the board, and the Jets are at 49, one spot ahead of us. Uh, and so now that, you know, the picks are going down, it's getting closer to us, and we know Light's the guy we want. We, I mean, we want him bad. We want him to come and play left tackle for us. And sure enough, we are we're looking at that we start making calls to see who's ahead of the jets to see if we can move ahead of the jets but see this is where the jets didn't do a good job they didn't warn matt light not to talk to anybody i said listen don't tell him when you talk to me Just uh, hang up i'll get back to you let you know what's going on so we make all these calls finally I get a hold of matt millen the detroit lions are at 48 one spot ahead of the jets they and we get on, you know, I'm talking with Mike, I mean, with Matt Millen, look at Belichick, and we're deciding what to do. Boom, I think he asked for a sixth or a seventh. We couldn't do the trade fast enough. So I call Light back. I said, Matt, I mean, Matt, have you heard from anyone? He goes, I'm actually still on the phone with the Jets. That's <laughs> bad. Yes. Said, we just jumped ahead of him. We just drafted you. We sent your name in. And he went crazy. He oh, went my God. He went with the Jets back then. So that's that's my best draft room, locker room story I can throw at you guys. Today. Oh, my God. When, when, when did the Jets finally figure out what had happened? <laughs> When light hung up on him, <laughs> that's pretty good. A million times because again, remember what we were coming out of Belichick and I had just left right. the Jets two years, you know, in part to the 2000 season. So there was that whole Jets Patriots thing going on, and it was like, you know, back then, anytime you beat the Jets, it was <laughs> so. And, and to beat them in April was even better. Oh my goodness. There's a professional hate there, right there between the two organizations. But Scott, you know, you, you know, we talk about building a team, right? You know, we were on a call yesterday and we were talking about this, all of us. And you said something, you said finding the right 53. And, you know, I'm a player, man. I've always been in the player world. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we always think that it's always that front office guys are trying to find the best 53. Could you kind of explain the difference between the two and why you like the right 53 over the best 53? Well, again, it's what are you trying to do with the draft, really? Are you trying to win a championship or are you trying to win headlines? And or are you trying to sell jerseys? I mean, the, the, the job of the GM or the personnel director is to bring the coach the best players that fit the head coach and that he can win with because the head coach is the one who leads the team. So – Every time, you know, and I heard this a long time ago, it was from Parcells and, and Parcells said, listen, I'm not trying to get the best 53. I want the right 53. Individuals go to Pro Bowls, teams win championships. Oh and we're in the championship winning business, right? Intercepted. And that is it. The Patriots are going to be Super Bowl champions again. Back to back. Three out of four. Yes, it's a dynasty. That's that's what the job is supposed to be. Now, again, you know, when you talk about the right 53, that doesn't mean that every single person is going to have pristine character or that some people aren't going to have off the field problems or personal problems. I mean, this is life. When you gather 53 people together, there's going to be stuff in everybody's life. And oh, by the way, the players aren't the only ones that have problems. You know, front office people have problems. Coaches have problems. We all got to deal with all of that, too. Yeah, I mean, heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, Coach, you did it long enough, so you know how many, you know, there, there's just stuff you have to deal with. But when you're putting together a team, again, the emphasis is on winning championships. And when you talk about the right 53, 
you know, football is a game where you're putting 11 people out on the field for your side of the ball. And there's these 11 interdependent relationships that have to come together as one. So it becomes a bit of a chemistry experiment, not only for the 11 on the field at the time, but the 53 in the locker room and then the 10 on the practice squad. Right. You don't want too many knuckleheads there either. So it's it's more about the right 53 and a championship 53, I think. I always thought, Scott, that uh, I always admired, particularly when you were in New England and they still obviously have carried it on. Uh, particularly when you're talking about the not the back end, but anything but the first rounder, where where obviously the caliber, the talent, what you're looking for, that that and and I know uh, I had kind of learned from Ozzy, which of course we have a similar background in the time that you worked with Ozzy and Bill with Ozzy, but that position specific, that maybe you can find that particular player that it maybe isn't the best athlete or isn't the best player, but it fits the circumstance of what you're looking for your team. And you therefore may get at a little bit better price. You don't have to get that in the first or second round. 100%. You know, I go back to in 2001 with that Patriots team, we signed 23 free agents. People always talk about you can't build a team. That, exactly right, Emrah. People don't remember when we built that team, and we built it with the Mike Rabels, the Larry Izzos, the Bobby Hamiltons, the Anthony Pleasants, Matt Stevens, Mark Edwards, Charles Johnson, wide receiver, all of these guys who – but but here's what – again, when you're helping a head coach build a team, again, it doesn't matter what the hierarchy is, right, whether it's general manager or head coach, at the end of the day, the person that's finding the players has to serve the head coach. And what you need to do to serve the head coach is to find the players that fit their scheme, that do what the head coach needs them to do on Sundays, and also be able to coach, like like you're saying, be able to respond to who that head coach is and what the coach needs. And bringing in part of what – here was the easiest – we were very system-specific. What was easy at the Patriots was I knew Bill, I knew his personality, I knew what he stood for, I knew what he could tolerate and what he didn't want to tolerate. And if you weren't a smart football player, you're really going to have a difficult time playing for Bill. So there were things that that, that the way Bill coached and the way that he did things where we could say, and I want to be clear about this because I don't want to sound in the slightest way disrespectful to any player's talent. We had some incredibly talented players. You had a player like Mike Rabel, who was very talented, yet he was more talented than maybe his physical skills because of his intelligence, his anticipation, his experience, all of those those things. And that fit Bill and what Bill was looking to do. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but, it but coach, it's, it's again, it's um, if you get the right kind of players that can be motivated the right way. Um, you know, people talked about some of the guys that we were getting on the downside of their careers, like, you know, the the Corey Dillons or the uh, again, the Anthony Pleasants. But they yeah. knew how to play in the system and they knew, you know, Bill had three simple rules. Be on time, pay attention, work hard. Mm. Otherwise, you're a distraction. And then if you could come in and do those three things and not be a distraction, well, then you would be there to learn and use your experience. And it's it's again, sometimes people try to make this a lot more <laughs> difficult than, than it really is. And yeah. uh, so I, I, 
and, and just going just kind of in that same vein, so, so to speak, you know, I worked with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, you know, worked with Bill Belichick and I was with Pete when he first got to Seattle in 2010. And I think they had, you know, over 500 some transactions throughout that year, just getting guys in and out. And you're right. There is something to guys who are, you know, who feel like they were let out or put out in their past uh, organizations and they come motivated uh, to, to their new teams. Bill Belichick, what's it like to work with that guy, man? Like, what's it like to sit in a room? Because I'm not going to lie to you, Scott. You see him on at, at his press conferences and you're like, man, he's probably a little bit of a you-know-what, a jack. You know, he's not going to, you know, be all the way there. for. He's going to kind of be a little bit, you know, quirky, so to speak. It's Monday night, it's Monday night. If it's Sunday, it's Sunday. If it's Saturday, it's Saturday. It's Thursday, it's Thursday. You mentioned Tom's age at the draft. We're on to Cincinnati. Do you think having a 37-year-old? We're on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. Right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. What do you think we're doing? We're in camp. We're going to have watermelon rolls and (laughs) badminton contests and all that. Yeah, we're working on football. We look at our team. We look at 31 teams. Yeah. How is it to work with Bill? You know, I, I had a unique experience because I met Bill back when I was still in college. He was a defense coordinator of the New York Giants. I was a college knucklehead, and I used to go down, and I was one of those guys who just loved everything about football. I wanted to play for as long as I could, and then when I got done playing, I wanted to be a coach. So I used to drive to the New York Giants training camp and take notes. I, I, it's a little geeky, I know, but I, I would – Whoa, 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 Scott, Scott. You mean to tell me you're a college guy – Okay, early 20s, and you decide to spend your free time by driving down to the Giants and taking notes. Well, what what else are you going to do in college? Wait, it's college. Have it's fun, fun, man. I think that was that fun. That was fun. I worked, you know, I worked in a bar at night so okay. in New York, so it would close at like 3 a.m. You sleep until, you know – you know, nine, ten o'clock. You wake up, you work out in the heat of the day, and then you have two days off. You go to Giants training camp. You know, you learn football, and I would take notes, and I would just on drills and watching players because, again, I, I was obsessed with football. At, you know, as a player, and I wanted to be a coach, so I wanted to. Play. And then, randomly, this mutual friend of of mine, well, my best friend's girlfriend, was working at Giants training camp. And I was talking to her. Belichick's coming off the field. He knows her because she's working security in the coach's space. And and she was just out there talking with me. And she introduces me to Bill. And we just started talking. And I'll never forget, he asked me, like, what are you doing? I showed him my, you know, I'm keeping notes. Like, keeping notes. (laughs) And I showed him my notes. And this is a true story. We just started chatting, and he says, wait a second, you're driving from Washingtonville down to here. How many times a week? I said, well, two, three, you know. But it, he says, well, you, I got the, I share this this little, what is it called, like a suite with Al Grow. He has a room. I have a room, but it's a common area. If you want to spend the night, spend the night. So I spent the night on the couch for two nights, and they let me sit in meetings. I, I didn't no stay in for two days. And it's one of those things, Bill and I have never really talked about that. But here, so I'm going to explain Bill to you. He didn't know me from Adam, right? But he saw a guy who genuinely loved football, was passionate about football, cared about it, was, I don't, you know, and he um, he was a defense coordinator of the New York Giants. And I was some schmo playing in a 1AA school, Central Connecticut, and he invited me to learn. Now, People can make whatever assumptions they want about Bill. 
Uh Um, And some of the stuff that he does is very intentional. So he doesn't have to get bogged down in certain (laughs) things. And, and, and it's at, at times it's brilliant. And, but what I do know is here's this guy who let this schmo like me be a part of something, learn. And then we just kind of kept in touch because after I got done playing, I went to GA at Syracuse. And then when he was, you know, at the Giants, I would give him the scouting reports of all the players that I would look at during my two Uh. years at GA. Then I went to Murray State University as an offensive line coach for two years. And then when he got hired by the Browns, he brought me in. Long way of saying is I knew Bill on a very, very different level and we had a very different relationship than other people who, you know, start working for Bill. And we, we were friends and then I worked for him and then we became partners. And so it was, so to me, um, it's like any friend, you always see the best in friends, mm-hmm. right. And you don't, um, yeah. So that's, so that's it. And it's, and it's, does he make some people's life difficult? Yeah. But you know what? We all make people's lives difficult. <laughs> I, I find it interesting. <laughs> I'm always interested in that transition because you know, it's got the dynamic between coaches and personnel people. It, it's very good. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, well, what do you know? What do you know? Why are you doing? You made that transition. You said earlier, I, yeah, I just, when I got done playing, I knew one to coach. You made that transition from coaching into personnel. Mm-hmm. Was that, was that, did, obviously it was an opportunity to get into the NFL. Did you think, well, maybe I'll find my way on the field or do you go, no, I'm going to uh, tap into this vein. This is simple, Brian. Um, so I was a GA for two years, offensive line GA, and then a, a full-time coach for two years. And here's what I was as a coach. I was a good teacher of fundamentals. I was a good te- I was very good with the players, great relationships, motivator, fundamentals, technique, all of that. And I had a ceiling on my abilities as a coach. I was not a play caller. I, again, I was raised, know what you know and know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I knew I could understand schemes. I, could, I understood all of that. But I couldn't make a difference when it came to game plan day or play calling. What I really loved was, was the scouting part and recruiting. And the evaluation of recruiting. So I, while I was at Murray State, I was also the, you know, that I was the head of the recruiting, one double A schools, and you had, right. you had multiple right. jobs. Yeah, do it all. That's yeah. where I met your I was at Murray State when Mike Smith was at Tennessee Tech. Yeah. Uh, Ryan was at Moorhead State. Rob Ryan was at Tennessee State. Jerry Reese yeah. was at UT Martin. So that that's what, you know, I know your relationships with Smitty. I've known Smitty yeah. since back then. Right. Um, we were all in the OVC together. It's kind of crazy. But you know, so when Bill had this opportunity, he said to me, he said, Scott, listen, I don't know what the job is. I don't know what the title is. I don't know what the duties are. I've got 16 grand. Do you want to come to work or not? Mm. And I'm a full-time coach, you know, at Murray State. I'm 27 years old. I mean, you know, and, and I'm going for 16 grand living government subsidized <laughs> in York Park, Ohio. But I got there and I was doing – that was part of the program. You went in and if you were doing padding, you did padding. If you, you in coaching, if you were doing, you did, I'll never forget. I told Bill, um, thanks. I appreciate this. I'm all in 16 grand. Sign me up. Yeah. He said, and just remember, and he goes to me, I'll never forget. He goes, just remember, Scott, the more you can do, the more you can do. And I'm like, yeah, all right, great. And I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and what it meant was, Brian, 
I didn't know if I was going to be in scouting or coaching. I was going up there to be a Cleveland Brown football guy and do whatever the heck I had to do to contribute to winning. Mm. And that's part of the whole philosophy, right? If you're, you know, you we're talking about players, Mike Vrabel, you're starting, you're getting 60 snaps a game on defense, but you know what? You're also starting on these three core special teams. Teddy Bruschi, you're playing on special teams. Tyler, that's what football's about, right? Whatever you can contribute to, to a greater good beyond yourself, no matter how it stresses you, just go do it. So I knew Brian, and as I started doing personnel, I didn't even know what personnel was. (laughs) And then I got into this personnel and scouting and evaluating, and that's what I was good at because I was a ham and egger as a player. You know, I played one division two, which became one double A. So I always had to study players so I could compete. I wasn't a good athlete. You know, I was limited, but I could compete, and I did compete because I was watching players. I don't know if that makes sense. That's where sure, my – That, that makes a lot of sense. That, that, what that are some sense. of the – when you talked about – because, we again, when we talked earlier, we talked about these role players and certain things you're looking for in guys and maybe back-end guys. Um, what are some of the things like a Mike Vrabel or some of the athletes that you know the role they're going to play? The, the athletic ability is what it is. They, they yeah. can do that. They can bend. They can explode. They can run. They can whatever. How do you find out about what kind of character this guy has? Oh, you, you, you pay attention. Well, when it comes to the college player, we're all old enough to, well, Mike, Rob, you're kind of young, but there was this movie called The Breakfast Club. And in the movie The Breakfast uh-huh. Club, there was the, the custodian and, and Judd Nelson is clowning the custodian. And the custodian says, hey, listen, you punk. And he says a few choice words. I'm the eyes and the ears of this building. I walk through this place and I'm invisible. So one of the best ways to find out the character of a college player is to talk to the invisible people. Whoever is deemed to be invisible by the players, they know the truth of a kid. So you can find out things that way. Um, I'm a firm believer, Brian. I love going seeing live exposures in practice and in games of players because you get to see the player in those moments beyond just those, those couple of clicks. For instance, I was watching a player this year, and... Sometimes when you mix the film work with TV copies and or live exposures, there was a certain talented player I saw this year that wanted a touchdown really bad, but another player got the touchdown after he had brought his team down to the goal line. And when that player didn't get the touchdown, 10 people celebrated, he went and pouted, and a coach had to intercept him. That told me something about that player. doesn't mean he's a bad guy. It just means you're going to have something else that you have to deal with. I, I don't know if, if that makes sense, Coach, or, or there's so you, I think you just need to pay attention and not be myopic in how you're evaluating a player and say it's just going to be this. It's there, There's a lot of ways for us to learn about people. Well, Scott, it, it, again, go, going to that same topic, has tell me, tell us a player that you were most proud of. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, you, that you scouted, he ended up getting on the team, he ended up being successful. Wow. That you're that you're proud of, and then maybe a guy that you scouted that you you know hmm. you, banged, you, you banged your head for, and you drafted him, and maybe he didn't turn out so well. Yeah, you know, I think of 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 one of the players. I, it's tough to say that I'm proud of because the player's the one that makes themselves a player. Right. So it's not like I did anything you know to make that player a player. 
But um, you did you you did pull the you trigger. Saw it in him. Yeah, you, you saw, saw it in him. him. I mean, there is something to that. Right? You can be proud of the process, but you you again, I just find it a different place. Be proud of the process and not proud of oh, I found this guy. You know, mm-hmm. one of my favorite stories was um, the process that I was that that I loved was when I was a, a, a slappy with the Cleveland Browns. And one of the jobs that um, Bill was the head coach, Mike Lombardi was the head of personnel, and Dominelli was the college director. And one of the jobs they gave me after my year of, of being beaten down, they said, okay, we're going to let you do this thing called, it's called the black box. And it was this old school timing device that it was so archaic, but you would have to go to the schools to, to actually time players and work them out. And I had to go, um, they gave me the MEACs, the CIAAs, and the SWAC. Yeah. And I met mm-hmm. um, Brian, um, Brian Adams, out on the, who was one of our full-time scouts, out on the road. And I'll never forget, we rolled up in Orangeburg, South Carolina, the South Carolina State. And it was in the evening. It was our third workout that day. We had a defensive back and a running back in the workout. And this is, like, what, I guess this is 93. And... We we get out of the car. We roll into the gym where we're gonna work these two guys out, and we have to break up this basketball game. It's like six o'clock at night. Guys are pissed off because we're breaking up a basketball game, and I'll never forget as we're setting up the cones and the stuff. I see this dude get up out of this chair and push down on one of those metal folding chairs. And he kind of yeah. bent the chair, and he starts walking. And I'm like, oh man, this dude at next game, and he's not happy. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna wear me out. And I'll never forget, he says to me, he goes, uh, you know, um, I want to work out too. I go, uh, okay, uh, what's your name? Sure, sure. Yeah, come on. Well, my, yeah. he's a monster of a man. I had never seen anything like him or anyone like him in my life. And he goes, uh, I go, what's your name? I look at my sheet. And he goes, Zeus. Huh? I'm like, Zeus? I said, no way. And he Orlando goes, Brown. Orlando Brown. Exactly right, coach. What? Orlando Brown. And I said, I'm sorry, you know, this is our last workout of the day. And I'll never forget, he looked at me, he goes, I'm working out. <laughs> I bet you let him work out, and too. Said, and you said, yes, you are. <laughs> it's a true story. We're working out these other two guys. No offense, but they're marginal at best. But, again, with my old line background, I told Brian Adams, I said, listen, I'm going to work this guy out over here. And, we, you know, I got the, the tripod with the camera set up, and I've got an air shield. And I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to explain to him, okay, whether you have an inside set, you know, you're deep, I'm a defensive line. I'm either going to be set up head up, inside, outside, or wide outside. What's your footwork? And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I go, okay, based on my alignment, what's your first step going to be? And he showed me, and he like, I, I wish I could get up and do it now. All they did back then, Coach Jeffries, all they did was turn protection. It was all zone. So they would literally, they didn't step. They, from that snap, they hopped, turned sideways, and just beat the heck out of the guy that crossed their face. <laughs> so I explained it to him, and he um, he says he says he's got it. So as I'm talking to him, I don't have the hand shield. And I said, okay, now if I lean forward, and as I lean forward, I swear to you, he locks and he hits me with a punch in my chest and, like, knocked me back. I, I was still good and fat back then. You know, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is skinny Scott, relatively speaking here. But he drilled me and he knocked the wind out of me. Now the camera's, the, the recorder's rolling. The camera's rolling. And he 
hits me so hard. He knocked the wind out of me. And I'm like, <clears throat> and I walked off, but they captured the sound on the camera. Anyway, I had to, we sent the tape back. Cause we're like, Hey, I think we found, you know, Brian and I are like, we may have found something here. And again, it was now mind you, I got, clown for years after that because everyone would would they play that wear me out and again that wasn't about me that was about the process that was about the system the the bosses had this idea they sent us out and brian and i saw this guy and it went back and then we started doing work on him because we hadn't evaluated the guy and so to me it's more about it's to me it's awesome when the system comes together not some guy saying you know, Coach, we got Wally Williams at FAMU that same year. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of, speaking of great Rattlers, yeah. <laughs> Willie Orlando, Orlando Brown was one of my favorite all-time players. We had him. We brought him back into Baltimore. And, and and Orlando had a lot of issues now. There are a lot of voices. God rest his soul. Yeah. A lot of voices going on yeah. in Orlando's head at a given <laughs> time, you know. And and but but boy, what a just an incredible personality. I got to tell you a quick Orlando Brown story, Mike. You're gonna like this. No, you're good. I have, so Orlando Brown is this big, just inner city. Ca- well, my tight end is Todd Heap. This is like the <laughs> whitest like dude in America, right? <laughs> just a Opie. We used to call him Opie. And and so the tight end and the tackles have to have calls together, right? Scoop stack. That here's what we're going to do together. Well, Orlando, give it, and I'm going to clean it up. But every one of Orlando's calls was he would add MF to it. Yeah. Yeah. Stack MF. Yeah. You know, this is a environment. And so I'm listening to this and I, and I, I asked, uh, I asked uh, uh, Todd, I go, does, does he use, does he say that all the time? He says, Coach, you know the test that Coach Coletto gives us? Write what he writes on the test. So I get his test. And they say, okay, what is this block when the tight end and Don't the tackle jump up? He, he writes, stack MFR <laughs> on the test. I thought, okay, this is a ball player. I got you gotta love this guy. You gotta love this guy. Scott knows what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I actually we could go all day with Zeus stories. Oh, I actually they, they had me help him open up a bank account. This was before yeah. the day of in the in no the way special yeah. city bank in downtown Berea, Ohio, because he was walking around, he would cash his check and carry cash. Oh yeah, oh, I know yeah. guys like that too. I mean, yeah. like, and, and we're like, I'm like, Zeus, you got to put your money in the bank. He goes, you can't trust the banks. That's so, right. <laughs> well, I, 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 a great story. I, before we end up, I, I actually was on a flight with him one time, and he paid somebody to get their seat because it was a bigger <laughs> seat. So that 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 sounds just like but Zeus. At man. least he graduated to paying rather yeah, than he paid. He just, he just didn't debo him. You know what I'm saying? But uh, hey, Scott, man, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. You are truly a gem, man. Uh, love your perspective. Um, j- j- just love how you see this game of football, Coach. We'll get back at it next week, and that'll do it for this week's NFL. Total Access, The Locker Room. And for more insight with a locker room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.